Hey guys, welcome to the Drop Bass Not Bombs podcast, where I interview interesting people in the electronic music scene who are raving for a cause and making the world a better place. Hosted by me, Amy Farina, aka MC Unicorn. Tune in Fridays twice a month to hear incredible stories, advice, and insider tips from ravers, artists, industry professionals, and more. And as always on this podcast, I interview people with different views and opinions that do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of those of my own or those of Drop Bass Not Bombs. And if you're planning on raving this weekend, no matter where you are, check your local guidelines, look out for your friends, and party safe, everyone. Before we get into today's episode, I want to share a quick message from one of our sponsors and one of my favorite rave brands, Rolita Couture. I recently partnered with Rolita Couture on their mission to celebrate women of all shapes, sizes, and colors. They have fun and unique pieces that make you feel comfortable and confident. They just released a new collection called Cosmic Ying Yang. So whether you're going to ADE or EDC or just want to look amazing and feel confident, head over to RolitaCouture.com and use my code MCUnicorn for 15% off. That's M-C-U-N-I-C-O-R-N, no spaces, and RolitaCouture.com because sexy has no size. Hi, guys. Welcome back to the Drop Bass Not Bombs podcast. Today on the show, I'm joined by Claire Classicor, known as a soprano of hardcore. Claire is a singer, songwriter, and business owner from the UK. We're going to talk today about her music, her brand, and as always, how she raves for a cause. So please help me welcome Claire Classicor to the podcast. Yay! <laughs> hey, Claire, how are you? yeah thanks for being here so can you start out introducing yourself who are you where are you from what do you do yeah so my name is Claire I'm otherwise known as Claire Classical or more recently as Coda um, and I'm a songwriter and singer for Hard Dance and I am based in the UK that's awesome so how did you become a singer were you born singing <laughs> Oh my God, no, no. That everyone says like, oh, they came out the womb singing and I just didn't. I, I, was, I was always musical, but I was into the piano. And then it was a little bit later that I sort of through, through the piano exams that I realized that, um, that I had a singing voice. Um, and that was it really. I then just became completely obsessed, obsessed with musical theater, obsessed with operas and operettas and, that, yeah, so it, it was a weird way of falling into the hard dance side. But yeah, in terms of actual singing, I was um, a late bloomer, we shall say. <laughs> <laughs> so what are your favorite operas or musicals? I grew up going to a lot of Broadway shows. <laughs> yeah, all oh, I mean, musical theater was, is a huge passion of mine. Phantom of the Opera was um, one of the first ones that I've seen. So that's always had a really, really special place in my heart. Um, but there's, I mean, there's hundreds. I love a lot of the new, I mean, obviously everyone's loved Wicked. You can't even talk about That's my favorite. It is. I've seen it twice. I've seen it twice. Wicked is my favorite. It's just outstanding. It just blows me away. But there's so many, so many. I adore chess. I adore Sweeney Todd with everything in me. That's oh phenomenal. Yeah, there's hundreds, hundreds. <laughs> did you see most of them in London or did you come to New York? No, I've never been to New York, but always in London. I um, studied um, music in London as well. So 
all of my spare time I was spent just getting like last minute tickets because you could often get like really cheap tickets they'd be really close to the front so I just spent all my time going to shows and it was amazing the best part about living in London was doing that (laughs) that's awesome yeah in New York we had something similar it was like you could get tickets the day of if people didn't show up or you could stand in the back Oh my god! (laughs) Probably you can't anymore. I'm sure they've changed it because of Corona. But like back in the day, you could get really cheap tickets just like standing, just like standing in the back of the theater. Yeah, or like having an obstructed view, so you could like pay less. Like have the obstructed. We saw Elf, and like it was obstructed. We only saw part of Elf, but it's all right. We were still there. (laughs) and you're like really enjoying the show this is definitely worth a discount I love this I was an ice cream seller as well in Billy Elliot because I, I just wanted to see so many shows so I actually got as a job as an ice cream seller and I just used to stand there watching the show the whole time trying to sell ice creams did people buy ice cream from you no I don't know I wasn't watching them I was watching the show <laughs> meanwhile like there's a huge line waiting for ice cream yeah That's like, so funny do you mind do you mind I'm watching Billy please <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty sweet gig if you get to go to shows for free and sell ice cream in quotes. Yeah. Tend to sell it's all right, but you only get to do one show at a time. I mean, I love Billy Ellie, but there was only so many times I could see that show. <laughs> and you'd be like, can I get a job at another theater? <laughs> yeah. By that point, you're memorizing all the lines. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was ready to go on a Sunday study at any point. But <laughs> Put me in. I could do it. You would be like the understudy. <laughs> Always, always ready. (laughs) That's awesome. So how did you go from all of this, this musical theater background, singing in London to doing what you do now? Oh, I know it's a bit different, isn't it? It's it's a little bit of a change. I, um, so I did quite a few shows, um, in in musical theater and I I just kind of didn't love it the way that I thought I was going to and that's really sad to say but it just didn't something was was missing a little bit I just something wasn't right so I decided to quit and stop it all basically and then life got in the way and I started going to a lot of festivals and I started going to Creamfields and then at Creamfields I found out about Tomorrowland and Tomorrowland was where I went and found the Q dance stage and I you know, just stumbled in as you do. And I was absolutely hooked from the minute I first heard the BPMs. And I just, I just wanted to listen to it all the time. So I went away and just tried to find out what it was because I genuinely didn't know anything about the scene whatsoever and just got immersed in it. And I think it was listening to things like the climax anthems that I was, that was obviously more my thing because they're a lot more theatrical. And that was it really, I, I just, became obsessed with it but only as a fan and and watching from the sidelines um and I'd been to DEFCON and stuff and I'd seen a few people performing and I never sort of connected the dots um and obviously I'd seen Peacock in concert but I was like never thought oh I, I could actually do it and then just one day I was just like well why don't you just actually give it a go just just try it and see so I did, I set up my little camera in my bedroom and I just started singing something by Dr. Peacock and I just put it out on the internet. Um, and that was it really, the rest is history. I just started putting songs up and then that led to making connections with people. It led to songs coming out and yeah, a whole host of other things. 
Wow, that's awesome. So what's the timeline for this? Like, what year did you go to Creamfields? What year did you discover Hard Dance? What was the timeline? When was all this? It was, so I reckon it was, what we. <laughs> but that's a last school year, really. <laughs> so 21 folks. Um, so it would have been about six years. So six years ago, I went to Creamfields. And then a year later, it was Tomorrowland. That's when I heard Q Dance. And then I had four years of just listening to it, I guess, obsessively. Um, and it was December 2019 that I decided I would make a go of it. Because it was the year before the pandemic. Awesome great timing (laughs) (laughs) but actually for you I think it was good timing because you launched this social media and online brand and all these videos during a time when people were stuck at home and also you're so positive and it was a time where everyone was miserable so I think (laughs) I think your video I mean I'm I shouldn't speak for everybody but I think some people don't like them it's fine (laughs) I think most people who go to raves or are interested in electronic music probably had a difficult time during the pandemic in one way or another, whether you work in the scene or you're a fan or you're like us and it's both. Um, so I think your music and your videos brought people positivity and, and something different and something fun to watch. Oh, I love that. I really, I really do hope that comes across because that's all it was for. It was purely because I, um, well, I wanted an opportunity, not gonna lie. I wanted to be a Peacock concert, but it was also because I just, it was my way of coping with what was going on. So I, even though in December I decided I was gonna start doing this, I think it was during the pandemic that I started picking up and doing the videos weekly because it it was a week long process of me creating something and putting it out onto the internet. And it was, it kept me going because I had something to do every single week and I had a plan and, 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 you know, that was the exciting part. And it's, it's really hard when you, when you're not, when you're a born performer and you're not performing. So I had to try and get it out some way. And this was, this was the way of, of me doing it really. You become well-known in the hard dance scene for your YouTube channel, uh, where you sing covers of hard dance tracks. Can you tell us a little bit about the creative process for that? Yeah, it's, um, and I think a lot of people don't really understand the amount of work that does go into it. At first, obviously, I was just putting up a, a camera and just giving it a go and singing. But as I really got into it, and when I really wanted, every week I wanted to make it better and better and better. So I would really put a lot of thought into the type of track I was doing. I really wanted to make um, a whole, rather than just doing Dr. Peacock or Sephir every single week, I wanted to create different genres um, and try and make it something different. And then when I started playing around with the harmonies, that was again, another way of experimenting um, and bringing something more to it. But so it really was a, a full long week's process of, you know, having a whole book of songs that I'd thought of um, as I was walking along the road and then picking one and then deciding what part of the song I was going to do, how I was then going to make it my own. So a lot of them I would put onto the piano and then do a piano accompaniment. Some of them I just sang over the top with. Um, And then as I sort of became a little bit more savvy with my computer equipment, then I started adding in in other instruments and other different sounds. So I would create a different sort of backing or a different vibe for the track. Um, And then, you know, decide what I was gonna wear and all that business. But then, and then put it out, yeah, do the whole recording process, shove it up on the internet and um, say goodbye to it and then go, enjoy everybody. (laughs) So 
you have videos. I, okay. I'm not a singer. Let me just do a disclaimer. Like I'm not a singer. I, I do care. I'm great at karaoke, but I'm not very good at karaoke. No, I'm actually I'll horrible. You all for margaritas. I'll bet you are. Yeah. Give me the margaritas. <laughs> I'm still not good at singing. Um, so I'm not hundred percent sure how it works, but in your videos, you have, it's you singing in harmony in different video. How do you do that? <laughs> how do you do that? <laughs> So um, basically, you just pick a line and give it a go. So I'll sing in traditionally a four-part harmony. Um, sometimes I'll lay it up with a fifth or a sixth harmony, which I don't necessarily do a video for. I just add them in afterwards just to boost the vocal line a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's just a case of whatever the tune is, whacking out a three or four-part harmony underneath and then just layering the videos together. You make it sound simple, but that sounds really complicated. <laughs> what? That sounds so you have to record yourself singing all the different harmonies and then like layer them together perfectly on top of each other. And tell I mean also I'm telling you now, I, I record sometimes for hours because it won't always go right. There'll be something that will happen. Maybe there'll be a noise in the background as well. And I can't tell you how frustrating that is when you want to bring the song and then somebody comes up with a hoover and starts like hoovering around the background. I'll be like, what? mom, shut up. <laughs> oh my God. So do you, you have to start over then? Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> when your mom's vacuuming. <laughs> because like I've moved out to my own house but occasionally we get the ice cream man go past and he's rather mad but it's it's fine it's it's just it's not a one-take wonder it's not like I've just sat down bashed out and gone boom it's, it's not it's a process yeah it, it wow <laughs> yeah I guess you have to tell the ice cream man like you can't come by today I'm recording he came by about an hour before we came on and I was like it's fine it's fine he's not gonna disrupt me today <laughs> Oh my God. That's really funny. I mean, yeah, that sounds like a lot of work and you can tell the videos they're super professionally done. Like they're flawless. Oh. Really, really good. Oh, I really appreciate that. Cause I really do work. Hard. You can tell. And that's why I asked about it because I'm like, how does she do this? Like, how does she, I don't know anything <laughs> about singing, but like, how does this, how does all of this work? Um, so do you choose the songs? You said you have a list. Do people send you, do you take requests or like, what do you, how do you pick the songs? <laughs> I've been known to take a request. Yeah, no, I do. I do get requests. Um, some people, um, some of them are weird. Some of them are, like, I listen to it and I'm like, how on earth am I going to sing over that? Like, you have any examples? Oh, I can't think of one that somebody said. But, like, I mean, I've sung over cryogenic, for goodness sake, and that was quite extreme. So for people to suggest things that I think, oh, I'm not so sure. I don't think it's going to be fitting me. Uh, that's, you know... But yeah, I think I'll give anything a go, really. But it's more a case of what what works when I put it together, because some of them just just don't. But then I've done some that I didn't think worked, and they like the one of the most watched ones um, was the um, first rebirth, and I didn't want to do it. <laughs> I don't know why I did it. The minute I did it, I was like, oh, I'm not keen because it's it's such an iconic song in hardcore um, and hard trance as well. So it's bringing in a whole new audience. And I I put it up and it's got the most shares, the most views, like it's ridiculous. So sometimes, sometimes the ones you're not so keen on are the ones that you should just shove out anyway and see what happens. <laughs> I think that's good life advice, you know? It's sometimes the unexpected <laughs> things that are the most successful. 
you never know just go for it yeah yeah I mean I do I do believe in a gut feeling and I think that you you know but then at the same time I have spent hours working on songs like some of the songs that I did which were completely a cappella, so they had no background whatsoever so I would recreate the harmonies simply with a vocal part so I did um get it cracking I did like mashups as well of um the tweakers and headhunters and I like I was so so proud and then like they just didn't get seen as much as like a video of me in a bathtub and it's like you try you try your best but sometimes people don't want that were you sing- what was in the back were you singing in the bathtub I was I mean I guess you could always pass it off as singers I was in DEFCON I was at, in DEFCON I was at DEFCON on the, there's a bathtub ride and I was just yelling in a bathtub with a noodle trying to hit a girl in another bathtub honestly if you what, haven't seen it it's top what, Def- what DEFCON were it's- you at because I've gone three times and I never saw this ride do you know what everyone says this to me and I don't know how everyone's missed it, it are you sure you two- were there <laughs> To be fair, I could have seen anything some of the times I was there. No, it was 2000 and, when was it, 18, 17? I've seen it every DEF CON I've gone to. I I don't believe you. <laughs> I was there uh, in 2015, 2017, 2018. I do not remember any bathtub ride. Oh my God, I will show you the video. I promise you. I, I don't, it's on the bit which is like, you know, the, the chill out zone where people go to lie down because they've had, you know, had a bit of a rough time. They I've spent a- time in the in the fishing net over there. Yes, I've spent time in, in the big chill in the it's, fishing net. I didn't see any stuff. It's opposite the hammocks. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to like remember. I actually did spend some time in the chill. I do love, there's this seat and it's like a fishing net and then once you sit in there it's really hard to get out because you sink to the bottom and you have to climb up but then there's all these people there I I don't know if they're still gonna have this kind of stuff after corona because I think that yeah getting stuck in a fishing net is not corona proof per se what fish do it every single day yeah there's nothing wrong with that just like a bunch of salmon in there that's basically what this was okay so the bath the bathtub that's really funny okay well I'm gonna keep an eye out for that next year yeah a hundred percent it's best it's best part of DEFCON I mean it's not there's like obviously better things but honestly highlight absolute highlight sitting in a bathtub hitting someone with a noodle that's amazing. I mean, that's the best thing about festivals. And that's what I miss the most. It's just like these weird, random things that happen to you. And like these weird stories and people that you meet. And like, you can only explain it to other people who have been there, you know, like normal exactly. people wouldn't get it. No. And this is the thing. I've had no stories to tell for two years because I haven't been to a festival. I'm, my life is dull, really dull. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm just retelling old stories from my youth now. That's <laughs> old woman I'm like oh back in 2019 it was a I was in a bathtub yeah need to get some new stories Claire for God's sake (laughs) I mean hopefully next year hopefully next year we'll have some new stories to share I'm hoping I'm going to make up for the last two years it's going to be mental we have to we have we don't have a choice we have to um okay so getting getting back on track um (laughs) Do you do you plan on doing covers for other genres of electronic music or is it mostly just hard dance? So I'm a bit of a hard dance snob, and which is very nice to admit, but I, oh I have occasionally like I've done 
silence and i've done a few more sort of trancey tracks that's probably about as far as i would go i just yeah i, I don't get the same buzz from any other genre so i kind i know so bad isn't it only stick to 160 plus bpm no <laughs> it's true i like doing what i like and i like our dance <laughs> Yeah, you found your niche, so might as well go for it. Yeah, if that's yeah. what you love. I and mean, I think hard dance just sucks people in. It's what it does. <laughs> exactly. Well, some people, other, some of my friends listen to it and go, what on earth is this? <laughs> the boom, boom music. What is this boom, boom music? <laughs> yeah. Like, how do you listen to this sober? All the Easy. Hard. Yeah, oh, constantly. God. Taking a shower, <laughs> cooking dinner, walking the dog. Yeah, 6 a.m. Just having a read. Fine. Yeah, making coffee. I mean, it's a good way to start the day, actually. It gets you motivated. Yeah, it definitely does. So do you sing and make music full time? So I used to, but oh, it's a really weird one. I don't like to put that much pressure on myself. And when I was relying on music to be a main source of income, I actually found it to be um a little bit restricting on what I wanted to do because I think and I do think a lot of producers feel this is that especially if you are tied to a label where you have to produce so many songs per month or you know per year um or if you want to make songs that are popular you tend to only fall into certain boxes and it restricts you quite a bit with where you want to go with your creativity so you tend to not want to push the boat into things because you don't think it's going to get the hits that you need it to in order to supply you with a steady income to pay for your mortgage so so i i don't just because it's um it, it's something that i have done in the past but i don't think yeah i love doing it now because i have absolute freedom to do um when I want, I mean, I've got a studio in my house now, so I can just pop down and have a sing song whenever I want to do it, whenever it takes me. And that gives me the freedom to do what I want. And yeah, I much prefer keeping it that way. <laughs> That's awesome. Do you miss performing on stage? Yeah, massively. It's, it's what I was born to do. As much as I do love creating, I do, I love the creative process and I've really, really fallen in love with songwriting, but I was a born performer. I'm meant to be on a stage. Oh, I just, I've got more costumes in my cupboard than I have normal clothes. I just, yeah, I need, oh, I miss it so much. You'll be back on there soon. Definitely. Yeah. So what, so. what's the most difficult song you've had to sing? It could be hard dance or, or in your musical theater background. What's like the hardest song to sing? So, so um, the hardest is Les Oiseaux Dans Les Chamis, which is um, an opera from Tales of Hoffman. It's otherwise known as the Doll Song, if you want to look it up on the internet. And it is honestly horrific. It's, it's, and I will say, I sung this many, many moves ago when I was um, doing music full time. I was singing for four or five hours a day and I had an incredibly flexible voice. It's not something I'd attempt now, definitely not. But in terms of hard style, I mean, I, I did Phantom of the Opera with clock arts. So that's, that's a hard song to sing. Um, I mean, in the show, she goes up to a top E. I think I went up to a, I think I did an E or I might have done a C in the one with um, the one with clock arts. So that's a tough song. Like, and that's, 
that's a challenging song in hard style, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine, like I said, I, yeah, my, my karaoke is limited to like Barbie girl, skater boy. Um, that one journey song. Don't stop believing. <laughs> <laughs> That, that that one from Glade. Yeah. Don't stop. Stop. yeah that's that's always that's what also my go-to um yeah i have i have a, I have a good karaoke repertoire but not a good voice but maybe you can oh, teach my. me oh i mean anybody can be taught but i mean let's not i mean my karaoke song is gangster's paradise all day long i'm not going to oh get out there God. and do opera i only ever do gangster's paradise ever and I don't even do the That's singing, it. I do the rap. My friend Stu does the backing singing for me every single time, bless his heart. And um, yeah, we're, we're a dream team up on karaoke. <laughs> well, I'm doing karaoke for my birthday this year. So if you if you can make it to the Netherlands, you should come because I want to see you perform gang- Gangster's Paradise. That's honestly, exactly. so you rap honestly, and you sing? You rap, you rap and sing? I just, I just do the rap um, in Gangster's Paradise. But you but, know how yeah. to rap? Absolutely not. Haven't got a clue. No, okay. I just like it after a few bevies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then you're like, then you think you're a rapper. <laughs> oh, I'm literally like, I am Coolio. <laughs> Where did this come from? <laughs> oh my God. That's amazing. I, that was really unexpected. I was not expecting you to say that. You would kind of think that like people who are a good singer would <laughs> go up and like, you know, do a do a ballad or really, especially no. if you're an opera you know singer. What? It's because people expect it. Like when you're a singer, they're like, oh, I'm going to do karaoke. And you know, you just like, it's honestly cringe when you're like, you are a singer and then you get up and you like do, oh my God, like, oh, I think it's really cringy. I'd much rather go up and do do a rap or something. <laughs> oh, and interpret some dance as well. Always fun. They go down like a treat. Oh my God. That's so funny. So on this topic, what tips do you have for vocalists, for aspiring vocalists? So I would say, um, obviously do all your usual, like work hard, have lessons if you need to, all of that stuff, but know your voice and know your voice inside out. So if that means you have to be practicing every single day, even if it's a little bit every single day, so that you know every inch of that voice, then you you have to do it. You do your scales, you run through your break to make sure you know where your break is and trying to smooth it out as much as possible. You do your breathing exercises because the most important thing about being a singer is that your voice is healthy and that it's going to be there for a long time. And a lot of people don't sing with healthy voices and they're doing stuff that is potentially going to end their careers a lot earlier than they should do. If you want longevity, you've got to have a very flexible, very healthy voice. So you've got to put the work in. Um, And because a lot of singers do have, like they have nice sort of quirky sound and voices, which is brilliant. But if you, it's not really going to get you so far because also things like if especially with what we're doing like with hard style and working with producers and stuff you might get asked to do something very very last minute so if a producer has got um an event coming up and they need a song very quickly they're not going to wait for your voice to get better your voice has got to be on top of its game and you've got to know what you need to do to get it there so if it's a case of pulling back a little bit, whether or not you're going to not belt so high and go into a mix. It's, it's knowing those little things and knowing your voice about where where to place things so that you can make it the best that you can you can possibly be, really. Oh, I think that's good advice. That's a lot of good tips. 
Oh, thanks. I'll try. Maybe, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to take some of them for karaoke. Yeah. <laughs> so um, who's one artist you'd like to collaborate with? It can be someone who's alive, someone who's deceased. Dr. Peacock! <laughs> I say it every time. I swear I'm like a broken record, but he's Dr. Peacock. And I, I won't stop until I work with him. <laughs> that sounds creepy. Have you, creepy. Have you Wait, reached out to him? <laughs> have you reached out to him? Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm so cringy. I, I've honestly done rather embarrassing things. I think at one point I even messaged him offering to play the triangle in, in Peacock in concert. I was like, honestly, I'll, you I'll do anything. the best at that. <laughs> It'd be awesome. I would, I would go see you. Just in the back. <laughs> just, I don't care what I do. I just want to be in it. <laughs> I think there is a Dr. Peacock in concert coming up in November here. Maybe you could. <laughs> I, you know, I mean, I might just walk on the stage and just ding. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> I want me. I didn't know we were performing. <laughs> I didn't know I was going to be performing tonight. I just came ready. Oh God, I've just got my dress on and everything. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so awesome. Well, we had Mouth of Madness uh, as a guest on the podcast. So I know. I love these. Oh, a step, a step closer. Yeah. <laughs> step closer to Dr. Peacock. He's part of Peacock in concert. So step making the steps. Literally. Just put it out there. Just be like, Claire plays, uh, plays triangle. Heard you need one. <laughs> Are you looking for a triangle player from the UK with rainbow hair? <laughs> I think I know. I think I know someone. <laughs> you know, just the girl. <laughs> well, I really hope that happens for you. And uh, that would be awesome. And I will be there to watch. <laughs> thanks. Thanks. I think the world will be. They know, everyone knows how much I've wanted this so bad. <laughs> You'd be perfect for it. I think it would be really cool. And I hope you do more than just play the triangle, but we all got to start somewhere. Absolutely. I'll take anything and get made, honestly, not fast. Sell ice cream again. Oh God, I've, I've got the talents. I've got the talents. I love it. I love it. That's so funny. So we've seen other genres of music, such as metal mix, you know, a hard genre together with, with opera, with classical music. And one example of this is uh, Flora Janssen. She's from the Netherlands. She's in the band Nightwish. And my boyfriend's like in love with her. So we're watching her videos on YouTube. Um, why do you think hard music and classical music pair so well together? I think, honestly, it's because essentially all music derives from classical music. So I think that any genre has got that connection in some way, shape or form. You'll find classical music in absolutely everything. Um, but I personally, and the reason that I actually really liked it was that there was such a strong juxtaposition between the two. And as an audience member, you kind of feel a little bit intelligent and classy and you're like, oh yeah, no, yeah, I love this one. And it just makes you feel, it makes you feel good. But it's got that theatrical element. And like I said, with the um, the anthems, uh, the end shows, they've all got that theatrical element. And so it is, it is very similar. But I think as well, one of the other things is that classical music is copyright free because uh, the composers are also old. So that might be another reason why so many people use it. <laughs> Yeah, that makes sense. But I think you're definitely right. It's that theatrical element. I went to the last hard bass, hard bass, the last formation. And I, I was sitting, you know, it's very long. And I was sitting at one point and like in between the teams, the lights go out, like everything goes out, lights go out, like dead silence. 
And then everyone's like clapping and cheering. And then the next team comes on. And like I said, I grew up going to Broadway shows. I've gone to a lot of shows and it reminded me of that, you know, and I was thinking Absolutely. like this could be a Broadway show. I'd pay to see like hard base, the last formation on Broadway. Absolutely, it does. And, and this is almost why I'm really pushing for vocalists to have a little bit more in sync, only if they want to. I know there's some vocalists that want to just make the tunes, sing, you know, do the songwriting part of it, and that's it. But I'm really into pushing them on the stage a little bit more. You've seen it a little bit with um, Exception and Randy. That's kind of a thing that's going on now. But I think if you are wanting to do the performance side of it working with a producer to actually make that more of a thing more of the show like I've always said a singer at the DEFCON end show don't know who it might be but you know I think a singer at the end of DEFCON would be beautiful I just think it just would make everybody sort of lights up when they get to see something live like audio tricks when they come out um, on the guitar and people can concert and Stefan when he plays the piano everybody loves it I just think oh there's a room there's wiggle room there for singers to have a little spot I think <laughs> yeah I think I think it just it's chilling it brings chills especially with the fireworks and I've gone to a lot of festivals too with trans and like they they'll have a lot, like Armin Van Buren has a singer with a lot of his songs and yes um, a lover. <laughs> yeah yes yeah yeah and like it just you get goosebumps, you know, it's like it's it's that mix of like having the DJ there at the live music and then add fireworks and all your best friends and pyrotechnics. And like, that's it. You have it. You have it. Absolutely. It doesn't always have to be about I know it's mostly about BPMs, but it doesn't always have to be about the BPMs. I just I do think it would it would really enhance it. And like I said, I think there's a move towards it. Like exception have really sort of paved the way and I, I can see that there is a certain move towards it now about bringing singers out and not just have them sing one song you know and and then leave the stage but actually being part of the creative but they've got you know I want costumes I want glitter flying out of everywhere you know that I really want I just think it would could really assist in performance <laughs> I'm always down for glitter and confetti so you can count oh, me in count me for that if there's not glitter coming out your bum after three days, then you have not done it right. It needs to be everywhere. <laughs> I I one time went to the dentist like two days after New Year's and there's like glitter in my teeth. They were like <laughs> doing cleaning. They're like, there's glitter in your teeth. And they're like, oh yeah. Oops. <laughs> so Don't worry if I just ignore it, clean around it. <laughs> that's too yeah, I, I love that. I think that's really awesome. Um <laughs> So what language has been the hardest for you to sing in? You sing in so many languages. Dutch. Dutch. Oh, my <laughs> God. I can't understand. <laughs> like, okay, I did. I tried it and it was rather funny. But I don't get the G. The thing. <laughs> don't get that. Um, I, so I don't get the phrases. Like, so, half of them don't even make any sense. <laughs> like, there's something about cucumbers in the summer or something. I don't, I don't know what that means. Cocomers like, in Zomer. Yeah. <laughs> or head Zomer. I don't know. I'm taking Dutch classes, but yeah, I agree with you. It's extremely hard. Um, it's a really hard language to learn how to speak. So I can't imagine singing in Dutch. I'm, yeah, I'm barely mastering it speaking. And I've been here for five years. So <laughs> I can't imagine, I can't imagine trying, trying to sing in Dutch, especially when English, like us, English is our first language. We don't have those kind of sounds, you know? 
Yeah, and also the, the hardest thing is, is because when you're a natural born English speaker, you've never, although we, God, we barely learned French and German in school, but it wasn't very long. Um, you kind of don't learn about the whole noun verb process and things like that. So you, you just, it's just really lazy and you're just like, well, why, why is nothing in the order that I speak it? <laughs> like it should be in my <laughs> order. And it's not, it's completely different. And then you're like, oh, but yeah, but Dutch is 100%. 100% the hardest language I've ever, ever done. Yeah, I can't imagine. I, I mean, I can't imagine. That's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> it's Dutch is super hard. But you're learning Norwegian now. How's that going for you? And what was the inspiration behind that? Okay, there is a story behind this. And it does involve Dr. Peacock. But, <laughs> so I do my weekly videos. And I do a lot of Dr. Peacock and Sefa. And then um, after one video, big man himself, Dr. Peacock, slides into the DM. And uh, after dropping my phone, he then goes, can you sing Mother Earth? And I was like, absolutely, yes, definitely. Not a problem. Yeah. And then in my head, I'm like, oh, I don't really know Mother Earth. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm going to say yes because it's Dr. Peacock. And you just say yes and you work out how to do it afterwards. So I was like, yeah, absolutely, 100%. So on my pop, trying to figure out what this song was, I'm going, I have an encyclopedic knowledge of Dr. Peacock. Why don't I remember what this song is? I'm going through Spotify. I'm like, why can't I find this song anywhere? And then I go on YouTube and then I find it. And I'm like, oh my God, what the hell language is this? And uh, do a bit of research. And I realized that it is uh, Traktabundin by Aifa who is amazing, absolutely incredible. So I go back to Steve and I'm like, it will certainly be a challenge. Um, yeah, give me a week. I was like, oh my God, what have what? I just agreed to? I've agreed to sing Norwegian in a week. So when I say I am the hardest working girl you meet, I promise you, I worked night and day. I put in the hours. I learned every inflection that, of this song. I learned the dialect. I actually had to try and then learn what the words mean so that I could figure out what earth I was singing. Um, I learned everything and it was a completely different style of singing. So the way that Aitha does it, she sort of throws her voice around and she flips it. It was a lot lower than what I was used to. And I fell in love with it, like totally fell in love with it. I've never sung anything like it before in my life. And I just felt so like free. Just, it was, it was like a soul was being released. Um, and that was it. So I, so I did the song and I think I did an all right job of it. And um, so essentially, the reason I learned Norwegian is because Dr. Peacock <laughs> found a voice in me that I didn't even know existed. It all comes <laughs> full circle. <laughs> wow. So, so what did he think of it then? Yeah, he said, I think... Um, I normally just get an emoji. Um, I think it was like a love heart emoji, which I'm I'm gonna take as top notch. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> take that as we'll see you at the next peacock in concert. You got the job. <laughs> Norwegian singer. I'm here. I'm here. No, yeah, I think you know he's a man of few words occasionally, but I took it. I took it as it was. It was good. <laughs> Wow. One, one week is not a lot of time, especially, yeah. Norwegian sounds like it's also a different, uh, difficult language. Oh, see, I actually really like it. I really like it. So I've been learning it ever since. I, oh, I just, 
everything about the Norwegian way of life as well. It just really speaks to me. And the singers and the vocalists are incredible. I, it's a real technique, but I've, I've really fallen in love with it. Um, but actually, the reason I'm Norwegian is because it's actually written the way that English speaks. <laughs> so the actual context doesn't change. And a lot of the words are almost kind of similar. So it's um, it's actually not too difficult to pick up, actually. I'm, I'm enjoying it. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Have you been in Norway before? No, I haven't. I went to Finland. Close, but wasn't quite Norway. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's... Um, I definitely want to now. Just, you know, try out a few phrases. <laughs> Go and sing for them in Norwegian. Imagine, I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> when you get off the plane, just start singing. Yeah. I'd be like, oh God, no. <laughs> Maybe they'll like it. Maybe they'll they'll accept you and be like, welcome. I could be a huge Norwegian star. This could, this could be my calling. <laughs> that sounds like a really good Disney Channel movie. <laughs> oh, don't. Don't, it'll be a dream. <laughs> I would watch it. I would watch it. I think that's a good <laughs> plot of a movie. Like UK singer, she learns Norwegian, she ends up in Norway. <laughs> but like the crappy English version. <laughs> I'd watch it. I would watch it. Okay, so we're going to transition now and talk a bit about your social media. So you have a very active social media presence. How has social media played a role in your career as a vocalist? It's been absolutely integral. I, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now without it. And, you know, I, as much as I occasionally moan about the odd Instagram algorithm, I, I wouldn't be where I am without it because nobody would be finding what I'm doing. Um, and it's, yeah, it's a love-hate relationship, isn't it? Social media. It's, I think I've made the change now, though, from seeing it as simply, like, a business model and using it to to progress things and remembering when to just switch off stop scrolling because it can it can just be a a big old sucky web <laughs> but the it's, vortex it's been, yeah oh the vortex yeah it's been vital it's i couldn't i couldn't i wouldn't have met anybody i think i want to say anybody that i'm in contact with within hard dance without social media yeah, we, we wouldn't be doing this yeah, without we, social media. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I was just about to say that we met. Yeah, actually, I have met a lot of my friends through social media and the hard dance scene through Facebook, through Facebook groups. Um, yeah, just like people adding me out of nowhere or just from like yeah. Facebook events. Um, yeah, I also have a love hate relationship with social media. I mean, it's crucial for for work. Um, but yeah, also it sucks you in and just it takes away it takes up a lot of time. It takes up it a lot of time that you could be spending doing other things. I noticed that sometimes and I'm like, wow, this took me a really long time. Or wow, I've been online for really are you look at the screen time report thing, you're like, ooh, I'm like embarrassed. <laughs> I do, but then I try and justify the screen time because I'm like, I, I have to be on screen in order to be doing my posting. And, and it isn't just doing the posting. Then you've got to respond to all the comments and then be engaging. Otherwise, the post just goes into nothing. And, and I think that is one of the most frustrating things about doing the videos. I, I, I was doing weekly videos and now I've, I've cut down to focus more on the actual, my songwriting. And um, since doing that, 
it's taken a lot of pressure off because when you especially when you do a video that you put a lot of time and effort into and you think you've done a really really good job of it and then the only thing that screws it up going anywhere is the bloody Instagram algorithm there is nothing more sort of it's just it makes you feel crap because then you can't redo it again you can't put it back out there into the universe again you only got one shot because nobody wants to see the video posted two or three times it's just going to be a one time only and if it gets lost in people's feeds or doesn't even get shown to people it's really sucks <laughs> yeah i can imagine that's really frustrating especially like we talked about before where your videos take hours and hours and hours to pre prepare for and like the layering like you said and the harmonies and the costumery <laughs> is that word costumery um costume <laughs> yeah costumery <laughs> um you know it just it, ta it takes a lot of time and i think yeah if it if it goes unnoticed or it doesn't get as well received as you would like i i can imagine that yeah that's hard it can be really frustrating how do you deal with that um it was quite demotivating for a while and I went through a period where I was just like I just just doing it for the motions but I'm also I am a bit of a creature of habit and I will just keep persevering because I just I believe in just constantly turning up is always going to get you success so I will just consistently do it um but now things have changed and I feel like I've had to take a step back from doing the videos all the time because if I'm spending that much time doing a video every single week and all it's doing is making a cover, I could be putting that time into actually working with a producer or working on my brand and getting my own music out there or writing songs. And the covers were fun. They were, I'm still going to be doing them every now and again, but the focus now is working on new music with artists. And that is now taking up the majority of my time so much so that I haven't even got time to do a cover video so yeah so it's been a flip been a bit of flip can you shout out any projects you're working on now or are they secret I do you know I never know the protocol I'm gonna be honest I never there are some artists that are like this is top secret please don't say anything I don't want to talk and I won't say anything about that um but so I never just do but there's new music coming really really soon so and then you'll be like, oh, that's who she meant. <laughs> well, I'm really curious, but yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll just have to wait and see. We'll just have to wait. I am really excited. That's cool. So how do you deal with haters and trolls and all of that on the internet? Oh, do you know, I just, oh, I just don't let it enter my energy force. Honestly, I'm not, I'm a, I'm a big believer in the law of attraction and energy and vortexes and all things like that. And I, it just, I just don't let it in. I really don't care what somebody's opinion is about me. Um, but I, I, in the beginning I did. And there was mainly because I was so intrigued about this whole world of online sharing. And I was like, oh, where's my video being shared to? And of course, then it ends up in the hands of people that aren't interested in her style. And then they just, you know, insulting my appearance or, you know, and it's just like, oh, for God's sake, I'm past the age where of caring about this and I'm not going to be investing any time in it. Um, but the, one of the best things about, I guess you can do it on Facebook, but with, but with Instagram is that you have to remember you are in control of what you put out onto the internet and what is going to affect you. So if you don't want somebody's comments on your 
on your picture. You just remove them. You don't engage in it. You don't have to have a conversation about it because you're never going to change that person's view. So there's absolutely no point in engaging in it. But what you can change is what you're going to see. And if it's a case of just deleting and blocking, delete and block. Simple. They, they will never bother you ever again. And if they're going to, you know, no one's ever gone any lengths, I think, to, to go and make an extra account. God, who's got time for that? It's just that it's just boring. next level yeah then then it's then the, you just feel bad for that person because if they have so much time on their hands to like seek you out watch your content write something mean then make another account i mean that's just like then they just have serious problems and you just like i would feel kind of bad for them probably absolutely and i've up. always said if my stuff isn't for you that's absolutely fine you're not the kind of person that I'm probably going to want on my page anyway so just don't follow me or just don't watch my videos I'm quite recognizable I have rainbow hair you know what's going to happen when I come on a video so <laughs> but I will be honest I, that was very much in the early days when corona was ripe I think everybody was having a bad time and and it was then I found the internet to be quite a negative space now I don't get anything. Maybe that says more about the reach of my videos, but no, now nobody says anything. They just don't bother. Good. I'm glad that's better. And you're hundred percent right during the pandemic. I, I talked about this a few times on previous podcast episodes. Yeah. That's when the trolls came alive and when more people like became trolls because they just they didn't have anything else to do. Everyone was stuck at home. Everyone was frustrated. And for some reason that made them feel better to like lash out at some stranger on the internet. That's, that's absolutely I genuinely is. think that and I think it was because people think that um it was almost like oh my god you're doing something with your spare time oh how dare you you have so, hobbies oh. I hate you <laughs> yeah same. I'm in the same position I'm not getting anywhere I'm just literally making a few vids because I'm bored like <laughs> yeah I think boredom, jealousy, frustration, that's like, that's what thrives it. But you, it seems like you have a really good attitude about it. How do you stay so positive with everything? I, I, I'm, I'm a positivity princess. Like Rob G's positivity and vibes are so far up my street. It is ridiculous. I just don't see the point in, um, wasting any energy in being sad and I totally understand that when you are in a place of darkness or you simply can't seem to see any positives in the situation it looks like it's the most difficult thing to do and even I have moments where it's like just pull yourself out of it but I'm a, I'm a big queen of a morning routine so I, I do have a gratitude journal um, and I do a lot of manifestations and meditations and just having a sort of a routine like that that you do every single day really grounds you into it because there's always something to be thankful for. Even if, you, even if you're faking it, there's always something to be grateful for. And I think that just, it just sets you up really. I just want, I just want people, I'd love people to just go, oh, she's so smiley, that makes me smile. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I said that at the beginning, I think your videos do have that effect on people. You know, they see your positivity and you're smiling and you're happy and you have a beautiful voice and that, that brings joy to people. So yeah, I, I think that's a good, it's working. <laughs> oh, and I said, you can never be sad with rainbow hair. It's just, you just can't. So comes <laughs> everyone with, comes needs the to dye their hair rainbow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <I'm dead. laughs> um, so you've mentioned manifesting and all these projects you have going on. I want to talk a little bit about your brands. Uh, you have a bunch of things. <laughs> so last year you started your own rave clothing brand called Hack. Can you talk a little bit about the inspiration behind the brand? 
Yeah, it was. Do you know what? The main reason was is because I realised being in the UK um, that we, if you, you, you know, if you wanted to buy something, you had to pay an extortionate amount of shipping. So that was genuinely the one of the best the reasons for doing it. Um, but I also struggled to find something that was a little bit more lighthearted or didn't have hardcore slut on the front, which I just wasn't. Some girls just don't want that on their chest. Some of us would like things that are more covered up. Um, and I really like the idea of creating something that was almost like a tribe that is like, you know, if you know, you know, sort of thing. It's recreating that community. And I know there's lots of lots of other different brands out there, but um, I just thought I'd, I'd just give it a good go, make it a little bit more lighthearted, a little bit more fun. Um and yeah, and then and Hack was born. <laughs> yeah, I think there was really a need for that. Uh, your merchandise is, is a little bit more feminine, a little more girly and like and funny and cute. And yeah, I get what you mean. Um, I also don't really wear like hard dance merchandise in public because like I'm also not going to like go, I don't know, like go to Dutch class or go somewhere that somewhere that says like extreme terror, like I've got the powder, <laughs> like just these sayings. You're just like, I'm not going to wear this like too much or like just a lot of big skulls and like. I, it's fine. I like, I like wearing that to like parties and stuff, but like, that's not really my style or my vibe and, you know, in everyday life also not really at the gym either. So yeah, I, 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 yeah. I, I think <laughs> some of this stuff is a bit like, it's a bit extreme and uh, yeah. And it's, it's a bit more casual. And I think your brand, what sets it apart is yeah, it's a, it's a bit more feminine. It's just different. Yeah. It was just about, you know, just, yeah, I just, and well, it gets it's more feminine because I love pink so everything, everything on there had to come in pink but I just yeah I just wanted to create something a little bit different I mean we're I will say we're going through a period of change Hack's coming out a brand new woman on the other side she is I just there was a lot I think when they start a new business there are a lot of things that you discover a lot of bumps in the road um and I think I went through every single bump that could have possibly hit me but like I said when corona hit nothing was going to be happening anyway because it's god if qdars can't sell merchandise what do you think anybody else is going to be able to do so it was it was a time for some a bit of re-evaluation so she's having a makeover she's having a brand new logo which is being designed and then hopefully next year i can launch her properly and before festival season which would be lovely <laughs> Yeah, I hope we have a festival season and I hope to, to wear your merch or see your merch around. What was it like starting a company during the peak of the pandemic? Oh, not the best idea, if I'm <laughs> totally honest. I could, could have picked it any other time. Um, I think I was probably a bit naive to it thinking, oh, I mean, the, the groundwork was there. I was, the idea was, is that I was going to be launching it and then getting, you know, lots of promotional materials out there so that I could, start I guess technically the year after but then obviously then when the year after didn't really get off the ground it was like oh my god like it wasn't it wasn't great but it's I can't, I can't, I can't do anything about COVID I could do very very little so I've, I've done the best that I can do with it I mean the, the website is still up and running and I've got all the ideas in place I've got an entirely new distributor as well. Um, so all of the clothing line is going to change as well. So a lot of the stuff that we're offering is, is going to be completely different. So I'm excited for the next stage, but 
Tack needs a festival season. She needs to get out on the field. Basically. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we need to see those shirts and yeah, the merch out and about definitely for yeah. sure. <laughs> so I saw on your website that you use 100% recyclable packaging. How important is sustainability to you and your brand? I think I, I just think that we have so many options to us now. We are not just presented with one route. And if you have the option to be able to be more sustainable, then you should be taking it. I think everybody needs to be a little bit more accountable for the things that they do. But within their their means, if that means you just set up an extra bin in your house and you put all your plastic bottles in it, then that is just, that's brilliant. But I do think that everybody does need to take a little bit more of, of a stand towards sustainability and things like the, the last mystery land that I went to, they did the whole um, return a plastic cup and you get a, rich, a reduction on your beer, um, which I thought was brilliant. It was the first festival that I'd ever seen at Dunner. And I honestly noticeably recognized a difference within the amount of plastic that was on the floor. And that was just one tiny little thing. So I, I think we have to start stepping up and and trying to make as much of a difference as we can do. And if that means in my business that I do that, then that's my way of doing it, really. I think that's awesome. Yeah, I've, I've covered sustainability on the podcast. We had a guest from Bye Bye Plastic recently. And yeah, something that's really important to me as well. And I'm hoping next festival season, we'll see that because now in the Netherlands, single use plastics are banned. So you're not going to see those horrible, squishy uh, plastic cups at DEF CON anymore. I, well- why are they not using paper cups? I don't know what it is. I, I don't understand. Because in the UK, God, I mean, I I used to go to indie festivals before I was a hostile girl, and we had paper cups. I don't understand why they, they've been still using plastic. It's... I guess the plastic cups were cheaper. I'm not really sure either, yeah. but... I just hope, yeah, they find a more sustainable solution and yeah, that we don't, we're not crunching on uh, plastic cups at the end of the night anymore. (laughs) Shuffling through at the end and you've just got like, oh, I will not miss that. (laughs) I had to sweep a lot of that. Like when I worked in nightclubs and stuff or like worked at festivals, like I was the lady like sweeping up the plastic cups and like, it's hard to sweep. (laughs) It's not that easy to sweep. Oh my God. I was saying the trash moments are going to change though, if that happens. If we've got no no rubbish lying around, everyone will be like, "Ah, what are we going to do? Then you got to throw glitter. (laughs) Always, always. Biodegradable glitter. (laughs) So for people who don't know what we're talking about, um, trash moment is uh, a moment in DEF CON and I think some other festivals where, and this is going to sound really ridiculous, I think, if you've never seen it. (laughs) But you reach down and like nasty, but okay. You reach down on the ground and you pick up trash and then you throw it in the air. Actually, it's really nasty. I'm kind of, can I just say publicly that I don't really like this moment of DEF CON. Maybe people live for the trash moment, but for me, like, yeah, I end up getting hit in the head with dirty stuff. I, maybe this oh, this will be not a thing anymore. We could come up with some <laughs> other things to do because I also never understood. Yeah. Oh, it's like, okay, now reach down on the ground, <laughs> pick up trash and throw it in the air. Yeah, rubbish. We yeah. love rubbish. We love getting hit in the head with other people's trash. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> it's nasty. So anyway, I'm, uh, yeah. I don't think that's for me. We'll see what happens next year. <laughs> um, so you have a new project, Coda. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So Coda. She's the sassy little lady that I wish I would have been. She is basically like um, 
I want to say an alter ego. She's kind of she's kind of an alter ego. Um, so when I created Claire Classical, I didn't really think through what the end process was going to be, I guess. And I completely boxed myself in. So <laughs> nobody could see past the fact that I had like classical in my name, which I fully understand. I gave it to myself. But when I was sort of speaking to producers and I was trying to explain that I do do other things, like I, I have a generic pop voice and I really enjoy singing in that. I have a high belt. They couldn't get past it. And it was just like, oh, no, it's it's not. I don't want a classical sound. And it's like, oh, I don't just do opera. I do other things. So that was one of the, the biggest catalysts. One of the other things as well is that I could never imagine like Mouth of Madness saying my name because I struggle to say it. And I think that everybody else struggles to say it. There's a lot of C's and a lot of L's. And Claire, I was like, classical. I just like, Mouth of Madness isn't going to say that, is he? So let's change it <laughs> to something that was more on point branding wise a lot of people understand that the musical reference is there because uh, coda is a musical term so it's still tying in with the classical but it just it works much better as a brand and this way it fuses everything so it's any genre that I'm able to do and which I'll give anything a go so it incorporates all of the singing in different languages the Norwegian I play the kalimba now it's incorporating the kalimba how did you learn to play that I just taught myself. I I like to teach myself instruments. So I taught myself piano when um, I was like really young, like four or five or something. And I just, I love, I love weird and wonderful instruments and just picking them up and having a go and, and seeing how they sound and stuff. So yes, yeah, so this is my latest little thing. <laughs> my obsession with the kalimba. Um, but yeah, so that was, that was, that's why Coda came about is I wanted to create a space there wasn't actually, where there wasn't any walls, where there's no, um, when people, if people contact me and say, well, what kind of music do you write? Well, I, everything, I write absolutely everything. If you want a folk song, I'll write you a folk song. If you want something classical, I can do that. Like it's just a whole mix max of everything. And I think you're going to see that in the types of people that I'm working with, because as much as French court is my life and my heart and soul, and I want to solely work in French court, I'm also doing lots in, in, in hard style and raw style. Um, there's lots of different, different genres coming in. And that's, that's what I want Coda to be working with everybody. <laughs> that's so cool. So should we call you Coda music now? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do Coda. She, uh, well, Coda changes. She's much more cooler than I am. She's uh, she's a sassy little sassy little diva. She's the cool the cool version. She's literally the cool version. She's the woman I wanted to be. Oh, I like that. That's 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 awesome. That's cool. That's dying. Just picturing this in my head, like two two versions of you. I mean. Yeah, love that's it. cool. I I love having an alter ego. It's great because when I when I think of like <laughs> the things that I'm going to do for Coda, I do I don't know. She she makes me a different woman, and I like I like that. <laughs> She's the one that's going to be on stage with like the glitter coming out of everywhere, <laughs> dark makeup, no confetti <laughs> cannons. <laughs> yeah, Coda demands a lot more. <laughs> So we're coming to an end now. Um, just a few final questions. So this is a question I always ask my guests on the podcast. How do you rave for a cause? So you, I don't know if anybody knows, but I'm um, quite a big um, activist, especially with things for equality. 
Um, but I think one of the main things that we've seen through this pandemic, and I think that what has really solidified our, our sort of hard style family, um, is how the government view it and how we are quite li literally seen as being dispensable, um, not important. Um, and we've seen a lot of different um, producers and live streams coming through which are raising money for fantastic causes and I'm always a hundred percent anybody that is, that is willing to do that and I think that's really what we need to show people going forward maybe making more events where they are doing something where it's not just a rave but we're actually doing it because we, we I just want everyone to understand that it isn't just about people in a rave scene, maybe doing naughty things and, you know, having a good time. But there is so much more to it than that. And there are so many organizations that are doing fantastic things, but we're just having a good time doing it as well. I just, that's, that's the best thing I really think that we can do going forward. Yeah, I feel the same way. And that's what I'm trying to do with Drop Base Not Bombs as well. And I think there's so many different parts of raving that people don't know about. They only just see it as like people dancing in warehouses and in illegal warehouses and having fun and that it's only a party and that's only an escape. But like, that's not true at all. Ravers are some of the most passionate people that I've met. And a lot of them do have causes they feel strongly about and stories to share and yeah, are activists, you know, in every sense of the word. So I think that's great. And yeah, I feel the same way. Yeah, absolutely. And like, and the stuff like with women in hard dance as well, like the support from, from you girls has been amazing. And I just think like the, the other things that have come out of this is that there's a fantastic group of, of women within our scene. And I mean, I'm a strong feminist, some may say, and it's, it's, it's beautiful to see. It's, it's one of the most, well, it is the most supportive scene I've ever been in. And like, and I have been in differing parts of the entertainment industry and I've never ever felt more at home or more confident in a scene than, than I have in this one. I love it so much. <laughs> That's, it's great that the scene has been so supportive to you. I feel that way as well. Like, I feel like, yeah, there's bad, bad, what's the expression? Like bad apples in every basket or something like that. But for the most part, this scene is so supportive. Like if you come to people with something, they, they will support it or they'll at least hear you out and be interested in it, you know? And the advice as well, I, the wealth of advice I have been given. Um, and and from, from the hostile singers, like I was always told from the beginning, if you see somebody doing what you want to do, um, ask them questions, like go and ask, don't take advice from people that are not doing what you want to do. Go straight to the source. So I did, I went straight to the source. Like I went to Corolla, Merrill, Ellen, um, Michael Joe, and I can't tell you how wonderful they have all been. I'm mm, top tier people, love them, love them, love them. They're just, such a such a wonderful blessed bunch and now you could be supportive for other people too you know it's kind of like a circle like people helped you now you're gonna help other people and it's just that's that's how the scene gets better and better I think oh my god absolutely and it, I, people have like I've had people like send me little singing videos if they want like me to give them some tips and stuff and always always it's that's that's what it's about we need to we need to keep giving and growing the scene definitely yeah, I agree a hundred percent. So what's next for you? What do you, well, you've mentioned a few things, but what are you working on now? What's next for you? Any big things we so, should know about? <laughs> so there is, I've got new music coming out. I think I want to say before the end of this month, 
I think there's going to be new music coming. There will be a track being played at a rather big event at the end of this month. I know that much. And then I've got another French core track that's coming out. That'll be before the end of the year. Um, and yeah, other things which I have to be quiet about. <laughs> Well, I can't wait. That's awesome. Um, I'm definitely going to look into all of that. I'm, I'm now you have me really curious. So I'm going to keep an eye out for the end of this month. And uh, yeah, I'm actually going to the US, but I'll still be keeping an eye to see what this mysterious track is. <laughs> You'll hear about it. God, I'll post it everywhere. <laughs> I'm sure. I can't wait. I'm looking forward to it. So where can people find you online? How can people reach out to you? So you can find me on Instagram if you want to get in contact about any music, if you want to see more about my actual musical progress and um, all of the songs that I'm going to be releasing, then codamusic.official on Instagram and also on Facebook as well. Um, if you want to see more of the just stuff I get up to as Claire Classical and all of the you know videos that I make, claire.classical on Instagram and on Facebook and on YouTube, and hack.uk is where you can find all my clothes. Yay. Yay. <laughs> I will link to all, I will link to all that in the show notes so people can find it. And yeah, thank you so much, Claire. This was really fun. Honestly, thank you so, so much. You brightened up my Monday. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's awesome. <laughs> you brightened up my Monday too. This was a lot of fun and I can't wait to meet you in person someday. Maybe at DEF CON. Okay, such a big hug. Thank you so much. <laughs> Maybe you'll hit me in the head with a noodle in a pool. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, oh, we can only hope. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Claire. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> Bye. I really hope you guys enjoyed my episode with Claire Classicor. I love chatting with her. We had lots of laughs and a lot of fun. Before we sign off, I wanted to give you a quick update about her music. She has a new track out right now. It's on I Am Hardstyle. It's called Valley of Insanity, and it's with Clock Arts. It was played on I Am Hardstyle Radio uh, by Brennan Hart and Tone Shifters a few weeks ago, so this is really huge. There's videos on her Instagram, so definitely go and check that out. I link to all of her social media in the show notes. I also just wanted to clarify one very important thing from my last episode, which was the Ask Me Anything with MC Unicorn. Concerning the question about my favorite movies, I forgot to include the animated movie section, one of the greatest films of our generation, Nightmare Before Christmas. This is one of my favorite movies of all time. Anyone who knows me knows this. And I was reminded of it the other day when I was wearing my Nightmare Before Christmas socks. So I just wanted to add that in. Some other announcements from me. Some of you already know from Instagram. But the next time on the podcast, we have the one and only Party Perry. She's an entrepreneur, business and social media coach. So much more. So definitely mark your calendars for November 19th. And don't forget to check that out. I'm going to be in Florida next week, so if anyone knows of any raves out there in the Fort Lauderdale area, please let me know. It'd be great to explore the scene down there. The last time I was in Florida, I was in college a really long time ago, so if anyone's in that area, hit me up. And as always, if you like the podcast, hit the subscribe button or follow button to stay up to date with all the episodes. For Apple listeners, don't forget to leave a five-star review. I'm always curious to know your thoughts on the episode. And yeah, who would you like to hear from next? So please let me know. 
You can find all of our Drop Bass Not Bombs merchandise by going to www.dutchravestore.nl. We have t-shirts, long sleeves, hoodies, backpacks, and more. Please follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Drop Bass Not Bombs NL, and we'll see you next time.